It's so good to have you, Joel. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming and making the time because I think pe different people's perspectives is always really helpful. Yeah, so valuable. I agree. Yeah. Can I swivel this? Yeah, yeah, yeah like you can move face. it wherever. Yeah. Um, so can you just tell me like where your improv journey started and, and where it all began for you? Oh, yeah. I think, um, I think I'm coming on two years now. Uh, it'll be two years in like October-ish, around that time frame, October, November. And I started out going to support a friend, going to go see her perform. She was like, hey, come see this improv thing that I'm doing. So I went and I did not know what to expect. I had never seen live improv before. And I was cracking up. This was that roll call. Is that Brett Schultz was still running it um, early on then. And I fell in love immediately. I fell in love immediately how fun it was. It was so silly. I just, need, I just needed to be a part of it, which is ironic because I wasn't immediately a part of it. Like I went to spectate mm -hmm. at Roll Call, the jams for like way too long, like, like two months, <laughs> like a month or two. I was just watching every week. I just kept going back Wednesday and just like, I didn't know anybody, anybody either. I didn't really have a circle of friends yet. Um, but, but everyone was so welcoming and I kept going, I kept going. And then eventually took a level one class at dad's garage and then started jumping in at jams and just never stopped. It was just so fun. It was so fun. And so yeah, invigorating. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel when you're doing improv? Like how does that actually make you feel? I feel free. It's very freeing to me. I find that there are very few places for adults to play, to let their inner children play like we used to when we were kids. Um, I mean, just we go to school and we we grow up and we get jobs and we do this nine to five day to day grind every day. And we are worried about paying bills and dating and fitting in. And it's, it's kind of a grind and there's very few opportunities, I think, to play and be creative unless someone lives in that creative space already. And so, and I was not living in that creative space before I was also just nine to five work, nothing too outside of work, yeah. too creative. So for me, when I stepped into improv, it just unlocked. It just felt so free to be able to play again and be silly and, um, and just play and have fun. It just felt very free. Yeah. Do you have a day job that's not creative? So is it a good outlet for you? After, like, say, a long work day, it's great to be able to just, like, play and explore with your friends. Oh, yeah. Um, right now, I'm a, I'm a software engineer currently. So sometimes that could be creative, depending on the project. Um, but also sometimes a day of coding or meetings can be kind of take its toll mentally and emotionally, too. Um, and so having that outlet after work to do improv and let loose and unwind is excellent. It, it has been a great balance. Um, I would say that like doing improv has, has been a big piece of my like, um, mental health routine, like mm -hmm. mental, emotional health, like balancing that out has been such a, a huge contribution in my life for sure. Yeah. Um, what has improv taught you that 
has allowed you to maybe feel more secure as a person or maybe has built your confidence or, you know, like how has improv changed you? Oh, so much. Uh, I was already, um, since, since childhood, I was already pretty extroverted and pretty outgoing, but still approaching improv, I was really anxious still just a new environment, like a new scary thing that I was not practiced in, not well-versed in. And I remember when I first started jamming, I would just get so anxious. I'd start sweating through my shirt so huge. I'd have these huge sweat rings around my armpits. So I had to buy like, I bought like 10 black shirts or like dark colored shirts so I can go to jams and not feel as bad. Like it'd be a little less conspicuous. Yeah. Um, And just going to more jams and doing more improv definitely built some more confidence in that creatively at least I think I lacked a lot of confidence in um, myself as an artist um, being creative I never considered myself as a creative or an artist or, really? a, or a comedian even even though I, I was class clown in high school and I was always still a silly kid like a, a silly extroverted outgoing silly kid but never deemed myself a comedian yeah and oh. And yeah, I, I recently adopted that term actually as comedian and it, it feels good to own it and to like step into it now. But I think improv has given me that confidence to do that. So be able to say like, yes, I am a comedian. Yeah. To get that confidence and, and, and own that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find like, well, let me, let me rephrase. What do you think is something about improv that could benefit anyone by learning anybody whether they want to be a creative or not or whether they like have dreams of being an actor or not like what's a valuable lesson that they can take with them in life from improv i'll I'll never remember i'll never forget i'll never forget my first improv class at dad's garage it was the first class we're all seated in a circle and we're doing the intros and the question was tell us your name and tell us why you're here and there were a few actors in a row and I'm like, okay, I think I know what this crowd's going to be. And then a few people, someone then said, my, my therapist told me to come here to work on my self-esteem. And then another person said, my doctor told me to come to work on my, my stutter, my stuttering. And then another person said, um, my manager recommended this is for to get a promotion to work on my presentation skills and my confidence in public speaking and I'm hearing all these different reasons and I'm like oh wow I didn't even realize improv was this powerful like I thought it was just fun silly thing and the actors can use as a tool for that profession but I didn't realize how deep improv could go and how beneficial it is in everyone's life and what it can give individuals mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, there's so much there to learn from. There's such a wealth uh, of knowledge and skills to learn that are that can carry over into your personal life. If I think of any, any good skill in improv, like listening, 
listening to your scene mate, listening to all the gifts they're giving you and responding to it. How listening shows up in your personal life, in your relationships, romantic or friendships or with your family. Um, listening, being present, being present, how that shows up at work or wherever you are in life. Trusting yourself. I remember at yeah. jams, um, it, it, there are moments in jams where I'm like, oh, is this idea funny? And you do that step out for a second and you don't know if it, you want to go in. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to trust yourself and just go. And that muscle to trust yourself, how does that show up in real life? How, how, how more assertive are you in life when you're making decisions, not about improv, about work, love, career, like, any, like anything at all? Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's transferable. Are we, we, you think we're recording over there? I'm just making there? sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree that trusting yourself is mm. and was a big thing for me. And improv, I didn't expect this, but it taught me a lot about myself in so many ways. Mm. And it, even if it didn't directly teach me a lesson, it certainly started a conversation and, you know, revolving around certain things. Like I was talking to Shay about this, like even feeling like you're worthy of being on a stage. Like that was mm. a big thing for mm -hmm. me too. Like you're thinking like people bought tickets to see this, like <laughs> yes. yeah. what I'm doing isn't that great like yeah. you know learning to instead think about it like that and just think like look at this thing that i'm doing that hopefully these people bought tickets and can come and enjoy with me like seeing it in a positive light instead of beating the shit out of yourself oh 100 that 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 resonates for sure i feel like definitely a, a big realization around self-worth around um realizing how impactful it is you being out there and making people smile and making people laugh how that affects others around you. Um, I think it takes time for that realization to hit, to be like, oh, wow, this really is important. This really is worth it. Like, this is valuable, and it's important that I do this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I feel more like myself now. And, mm. you know, I think the first time that I felt that way in improv was the first time that I had fun on stage and because for me it was pretty black and white like it was it was stressful and it was nerve-wracking and then all of a sudden it was fun and once I got to the to the part that was fun I was like what a shame what if I would have never gotten mm. to this point and that just reminded me of how important it is to accept failure and allow yourself to fail because you know you're heading in a good direction oh yeah I can't even imagine how many people stop before getting to that point right they're like oh this is too hard i'm not good at it this is too uncomfortable and then they stop before it gets better and before the the oh wow moment you know yeah it's and i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because i i have such a clear memory of seeing your ear growth too i remember the first day you and kim showed up to to improv and and meeting you both and man i've just seen you both grow so much it's been such a beautiful experience watching you both become more confident and I definitely can feel the difference like you just really? said when you're having fun on stage I can tell too that I, we can feel that as an audience that's so true yeah. I think I was talking to Fiona about this because I went to a musical improv workshop that mm -hmm. she did one time and you know that's not something I'm good at which is why I went to the workshop and I remember you know the class 
started fine like any normal class and so i was like you know my, my normal happy self and then once we got really into the meat and potatoes of musical improv and you know it's obviously something that i don't feel comfortable doing and that i don't enjoy doing as much as other things um i just kind of like shut down and was just kind of trying to get through it and obviously i feel that in myself and i knew that's what was happening but i talked to fiona afterwards and she was like it was so sad to see you lose your shine and i was like that's such a good way to put that in that, you know, the, even though I wasn't doing anything externally that made them feel that way, it is something that the audience can sense and feel when you don't, you don't feel fully present there and fully mm-hmm. happy with what you're doing. And I was like, that, thank you for making that note because it's something to think about. Oh yeah, for sure. The audience feels it. I mean, I, as a performer too, I think we feel it too. We know when the energy's off. Sometimes I know stepping into a jam or, or, or a show, I'm like, oof, the energy's off. Like, I'm going to do my best here, but I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. Because um, I think improv is definitely something that we have to be present for. Like, sometimes I have to have my tank full sometimes to, to, to show up 100% for a jam or a show um, if, to feel confident about that performance. And I know the audience is going to feel it if it's I'm I'm not 100. percent And I want to yeah. and I want to provide a good experience. You know, I want to provide a good performance experience. I want everyone to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. What's something in improv that maybe wasn't as easy for you to learn? Something that you really had to work on? Maybe hmm. like a skill. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I had to work. I'm trying to think of one in particular. I think. Listening is always something that can be improved on. Because I think, I think I've come a long way with, with listening. Um, I'm trying to get better at remembering names and scenes when people <laughs> give names. That's always something that slips my mind, a character's name. And especially when we're on a, a large ensemble with a lot of castmates, there's a lot of names to remember. So that memory, that memory muscle is something I'm always trying to work on and listen. Um, but not just listen to names, listen to like every gift that's given, like to, for, for things like callbacks, every event, every um, body language gift. Like sometimes like I watch, I'll watch improv, like I'll watch some of my favorite improvisers, like mom and dad or two bears. And they're all, they, they're so gifted in listening to each other's gifts and bringing them back and incorporating them, digging deeper in a, in a, a line or a word or uh, some physical some physicality yeah um, and I'm like man I totally forgot that happened in that other scene that they brought back so I want to become a better listener in that way and I think that's um, a way that I'm I've been improving and trying to incorporate more yeah definitely listening yeah opens a lot of doors mm-hmm. and that's always how I know that I am not in a good headspace is when I'm thinking about myself. Ooh, how so? What's an, what's an example you think? Yeah, so if I'm standing on the side ready to jump in doing a montage or something, mm-hmm. if I'm standing there thinking about a character that I want to play or thinking about, you know, how my pants look on my ass. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just like anything, I guess, to, that isn't listening. That's not helpful. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's also mostly because I think it's natural to drift away sometimes and thought 
Yeah. Um, but to to kind of be aware and bring yourself back more consistently, I think is the is the goal. Because I'll be, I'll be at a jam or at, at a show and be like, oh, I'm drifting. Like, let me focus up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's something that constantly to be aware of and to to come back. But I've mm. been there for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a, it is a beginner move, but also I still find myself doing it now and I would call myself a moderate beginner. I don't even, I've been doing it for a year, which in the improv world isn't a lot of time. And I know that there's still so much to learn and a lot of things that I'm going to learn are just Mm going to come from, from time and from doing it and seeing it a lot. And so, you know, I try not to beat myself too much, beat myself up too much about that kind of stuff. Um, because I know that to get to like mom and dad's level or two bears level, it just takes time and reps and experience. And that's so beneficial. I mean, obviously they're talented and like, there's no denying that, but I'm sure that they would agree that their experience and and just the time that they've spent doing it has been monumental. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's easy to fall into that trap of like seeing really good improv and and then feeling like, Oh, I'm not that good. Uh, I'm not like that. And then it's easy to forget, like, yeah, some they've been doing it for five years, ten years, fifteen years. Um, so it's easy to to forget that. And I think I also th- at the, in the same at the same time, sometimes I feel like t- time is arbitrary because you've been doing this for a year. Uh, I've been doing it for two years. But like so, some people take it quicker than others, and some people excel. Some people have different gifts that shine differently on stage, different strengths and weaknesses. So when we're talking about time, everyone learns differently, excels differently. And just the fact that we keep going out there and getting the reps and practicing, like it doesn't matter how much time. So someone can get really good in a year. Sometimes it takes multiple years. I don't think time is a, is a huge, I try not to look at time too much. Like, cause then I feel like I'll be rushing myself to get better. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you as well, what are things right now in terms of your performance or just your mindset on stage, what are some things that you think you're doing well and that you're, you're confident in and you think are working for you? I think uh, I believe that I'm a good supporter of my teammates, of my scene mates. I try very hard to listen to whatever gifts are given to me and make something of it. Just, just really, I try to really love the other, my teammates' ideas, no matter what it is. Okay, let's play with that. Um, like in, sometimes in a jam, even if it's like a denial of my idea, but okay, let's go with this new thing that ignores my thing, but let's do it and let's have fun with it. Like I'll try to kind of, I guess it's that, that mantra of like, make your scene, teammate look great. Make your partner look excellent and hilarious yeah Uh, I just try to be a great supporter and and then like the funny moments come like if I'm supporting my teammates and I'm supporting my scene mates everything feels better everything feels smoother instead of trying to make plans trying to make jokes try to force something that's not there I just try to be present in the scene support my teammates and everything else follows after that yeah you are very supportive, obviously. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And your feedback does mean a lot to me. And I'm so glad that you met Kim and I so early on because you do, you're very observant 
even if from afar, like even if we don't see each other all the time, mm-hmm. I still know that you're watching and you're watching from a non-judgmental eye. And I think having someone that has seen your journey and can give you feedback on that is so valuable and I'm so appreciative of it because I always learn the most from other people's feedback and even though you know you shouldn't listen to everything everybody says Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. um you know specifically people that I trust and care about their feedback has helped me grow so much because they're looking at me from a lens I can never look at myself through Mm. if that makes any sense yeah absolutely I think it's important to have certain people in your life to keep you on the, the straight and narrow um, to get feedback from. And I also feel very fortunate and lucky to be witnessing your, your growth too. It's been so, so, so fun and so, so beautiful. And I love watching you perform. Thanks. We got to do a show together not too long ago too. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. Yeah. Oh yeah. That two prom. Yeah. Oh, we killed it. That was a a fun two prom. That was so fun. And it was such a I don't even know the right word for it, like validating moment for me because I remember when we used to have the Mining for Gold jams at Dynamic mm-hmm. and they would do two prov once a month. And I remember Kim and I were driving to one and and we were like, oh, I think we're just going to watch. And Kim was like, are you going to get up there? And I was like, ah, I don't know if I could do two prov. It's, it seems like a lot. It's You got to hold a lot of weight because mm-hmm. there are only two people. You know, I was like really nervous to do it. And so then to have that show with you and to not only be able to do it, but actually have a lot of fun. I was like, who would have thought? Like, I was so afraid of that yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, all, I'm still scared of two, two problems are, can be tough. I think, I think what you said is accurate. Um, it's only you two carrying a scene. It's only two people carrying a scene. So there's a lot more trust involved, a lot more listening involved. All the skills involved in improv, you just need a lot more of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember specifically about that scene was because you know, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a long set, right? Was yeah. it like ten or t- between 10, ten and fifteen minutes or something like that? I forget how long it was, but it was long, and <laughs> we just consistently kept finding new things to play with with our characters, um, and it just felt so fluid. It just felt so fluid and flew by. Yeah. And was so good. There were grounded moments and silly moments. Oh, so good. It was so good. Yeah, that's definitely one of the nights that stands out to me for a lot of reasons. And like, we had other friends that were in the show yeah. with us, and so just one of those really heartwarming nights. And then it reminds you like why you <laughs> put yourself through the embarrassing mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it all balances out in the end. Yeah, it all balances out in the end. Yeah. Do you have any? fears when you go up there to perform in front of whether it's a small group or a big group do you have anything that scares you yeah for sure i think um that there's a, there's still some fears and anxiety before each show like I, I guess i would say like the butterflies kind of thing um nervousness actually i'm trying to think fears maybe fears is different than nervousness I mean, I guess it's, I guess, why do you feel nervous? Hmm. I think what's coming up for me is I feel nervous before shows, especially with, um, on the team, on measure Island. I'm always nervous before the show. I always have butterflies. 
just because I want to show up for my teammates, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to show up and be supportive. Um, sometimes to a fault because I've got some coaching feedback in the past where, where my coaches are like, you should do more, like be bolder, like, oh. do, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do love showing up for my teammates. I love showing up and like, I love playing with, with my teammates and making others feel supported. Um, I think that's my bread and butter right now. And so any nervousness that comes up before shows or jams is like, I just want, um, I just want to support others and, and, and make scenes fluid and kind of like almost be like an orchestrator orchestrate. Like what does a scene need right now? Okay. Provide that. What does this character need? What, 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 what's missing in the platform? Like what can I, how can I orchestrate the scene and like smooth things out? Yeah. Um, so, but any, anytime I am nervous before a show, warm-ups and chats with my team always alleviate it. I, and then we always feel good entering a Measure Island show. Yeah. Can you tell me how that's been going and what you've learned so far being on a musical improv team? Oh, Measure Island. Measure Island has been such a gift. Um, let's see. It was, let's see, it's been a few months now. But it's been such a wild ride and a fast ride, too. I want to say it's been such an experience. I guess, I guess, I guess something's coming up, personal is coming up for me because musical improv has been kind of like very near and dear to my heart because I used to, I used to do theater in high school. I dabbled a little bit. But I was also an athlete, so I had this really cliche experience where those two identities of myself were in conflict oh. with each other in high school. Because I was this this cool jock guy in high school that played sports on the basketball and football team, and then I also had this interest in theater and music that I wanted to pursue, but didn't fully let myself dive in because my friends would make fun of me or call me gay or, or whatever. Or, and so I never allowed myself to really fully explore music and theater back in the day. And I never picked it up since high school until, until improv, until Measure Island. And that has been, this, that experience has been so healing for me, it's all, it feels like I'm get, like that high school Joel is getting a second chance to be on stage, to sing songs, to dance. It's it's been really incredible. It's been really incredible, and I love to sing. I love 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 singing. I've loved singing since I was a kid. So it's just been such a healing, beautiful journey with these amazing people. Uh, I, yeah, I love each one of my teammates so much it's been the chemistry is there like the intentionality is there so fun it's been it's been so amazing I'm so glad to hear that and it's fit such a need in the community too <laughs> like it, it just checks a lot of boxes and it feels very full circle because one of the first episodes of the podcast that I ever recorded was with Fiona and she oh, talked about right. wanting to start a musical improv team and it was very much in theory at the time <laughs> and now to see it fully formed wow, and so vibrant and you guys are selling out shows left and right it's yeah. just like this is the dream and it's 
such a reality right now. Yeah, your po- that podcast episode brought it into existence. It's spoken into existence. You're giving it too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is great to see that idea come to life and yeah. see it be exactly what I imagine Fiona wanted it to be. So yeah, it's so great. And it's also just showcased how many talented people are in this community and oh, that there's yes. enough for a team of musical improvisers. Like it's not easy to do. I don't, I don't think it is easy to do um, either, not in, not in like a gloaty way. I think we have a, a wide range of um, different teammates that bring different different skill sets and, and to to fit that all together, I think is very unique. Um, and it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of rehearsals to make it work and to make it work well. Um, but we, everyone's dedicated, everyone's on the same page and, and that's been really working for us, um, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're a part of that. And honestly, before you were on Measure Island, I didn't know that you sang. So that's, it's always exciting to find that your friends have new talents. Yeah. It's a little secret. It's not something that comes up too often unless I go to karaoke or something. Unless we we encounter each other at a karaoke bar. Yeah. (laughs) And, but what's, what's been really funny is that since Measure Island, so many people have come up to uh, different members of the team and, and have asked like, oh, is there a spot? Like, oh, yeah. like, and so there's interest in musical improv. You're right that it fulfills like uh, this niche, like there was a need for it. But now other people are, are trying to get involved. And I think there's enough people, I don't think people know this, but there's so many other people I think that can start multiple musical improv teams now that the interest is there. Um, Just so if you're listening to this, ask each other out there (laughs) if if someone's interested in starting another musical improv team because so many people are interested. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel so lucky to have been pulled onto a team and if I could give any sort of advice whatsoever, it would be to start one if you can. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know what you're doing and you're not that confident and you're new, being on a team is such a valuable experience and you learn a lot. So I, 100%. but I know that sometimes people hesitate because they're like, well, what if it's not good? Like, just, just do it. Yeah, it's extra reps, it's extra practice. Um, I think it's totally valuable to, and definitely be proactive. I would agree, just like ask around if it's really in your heart to be on a team. I would recommend you identify some of some people you really love watching or you have great chemistry with in jams and just ask them and say, Hey, are you interested in being in a team? Just ask. Cause if, if you, if they say no, then you're in the same, you're in the same boat that you were before you asked. Yeah. So just, so just ask. Yeah. There's only opportunity there. You're yeah, not, you exactly. have nothing to lose. Exactly. Yeah. What's, what's advice that you would give to people who want to get more involved in improv? Advice for someone who wants to get more involved in improv. I would say two things. I think it's important to consume improv, to watch it, too, is just as valuable as performing and jamming. And I think there, there's definitely, you can learn a lot at jams and from watching. There's a lot. There's a lot you can learn and... Um, I do think there's a ceiling to to learning improv without a class. I do oh. think taking a class is valuable. There, there are just, um, and it's not for everybody. I, I, what I love about classes 
I guess I'm more of a classroom minded person. What I love about going to classes is that like it, it, it gives me specific tools for the tool belt because I'm going, if I go to jams to, or go to shows, I can identify things like, Oh, that was funny. That's good. But I can't, I wouldn't know why it's good. Why is that so good? Why is that performer so amazing? What's the, what are the underlying improv theories at play here? I wouldn't know how to identify that stuff. Yeah. Um, and when it really unlocked when I took a class to understand like what, what are the, what are the rules? What are the, what's the framework here? How, how do we build this thing together? What makes a, what makes an excellent scene? Like in an, it's like science to me. It's like, what's the anatomy of a really excellent improv set? What are the pieces involved? And then it's, it's just, it's just really cool. been learning how to, how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like to know what I'm doing. And that's something that class has taught me is that like, yes, it is random. You know, you never really know what your partner is going to say or what's going to happen. But it makes it a lot less random when you kind of have this blueprint to follow. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, the way that I learned, at least through dads, is it doesn't feel restricting. It's like you said, you know, giving you tools to use when you find yourself in certain situations or being able to guide a scene in a positive direction you know, it makes the randomness of it all feel a lot less random and it makes you feel a lot more in control. Yeah, it, you nailed it. I think you that you hit the nail on the head. What I find from new improvisers, what I see a lot is, there's a, I think there's a natural tendency for people to go negative or sometimes start improv scenes with a conflict. A lot of, uh, there's fights or, or even a lot of, cussing some kind of some kind of negativity some kind of negative element um and i think after taking a class you realize like oh there are other things that can be funny besides jumping into conflict or between between scene mates between people um and you're right that taking a class definitely helps to prepare for any situation and navigate to a fun silly place yeah yeah i definitely agree with that yeah so you're not trying to prevent things from happening you just want to know how to deal with them if they do happen and they will happen and then you can also help people that are newer than you by helping to guide a scene when you know there were plenty of times i had no idea what i was doing but luckily there was somebody more experienced who was driving the car so (laughs) it allows you to Give back in a way too and yeah. help other people who are learning get stage time, but also be a part of dynamic scenes. Yes. I love that analogy. Helping drive the car. Yeah. I think that's what the, the improv rules and the classes help do is help drive the car. It doesn't, it doesn't take over the steering wheel. It just helps to drive the car a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a tool that you learned in, let's say one of Madeline's classes that's Ooh, been really helpful for you. Madeline's class. I, I, I got to plug both. I take both dad's garage classes cause, <laughs> and I love taking Madeline's class too. I've taken Madeline's class three times. There'll be a fourth coming to next year. And I just love Madeline's style of teaching. Um, I've loved, she built such a safe 
it's gonna be like a little commercial for for Madeline's class. <laughs> this is an ad. <laughs> this is an ad. <laughs> she built such a, a safe and fun environment to learn in, to feel comfortable making mistakes, to feel comfortable taking risks in improv, and she does it so seamlessly. And I and it's really truly, I feel like it's her energy, like who she is as a person, it just radiates, um, like her positivity and her energy, and people feel that, and people resonate with that, and come flocking to her class and um, I've taken her class multiple times I've taken her in her foundational class twice and her advanced class once and once the advance comes around again next year I plan on taking it again every time I've taken Madeline's class I've learned more and more from her I view Madeline as a mentor of mine as well as a great friend and I am all I'm always learning from her when I in class or just watching her perform and I, I, her class is so, so valuable. I would recommend it to anyone who wants to get started. In improv, they don't know what class to take. Dad's is great. Um, I would, I, I would, <laughs> I, hope, I hope dad's people don't get mad at me when I mention this. I would recommend Madeline's class uh, um, over the foundational class over dad's garage level one. I think dad's garage classes are excellent too. I think it's a different style. Yeah. For sure, I think they're more by the book. I think they're more analytical. Yeah. Uh, and Madeline's all about like heart and soul of improv. Have fun, be silly, find yourself in there. And I so beautiful, such a beautiful way to teach improv. Yeah, because a lot of what sets beginners up for success is the environment that they're in mm. and how comfortable they feel taking risks and trying new things and yeah I yeah there are there were moments at dad's where you like I thought the classes were great but there were moments where I was like this environment is a little bit mm. I think maybe uh, stoic is Ooh, a good way to put stoic, it yeah and that I knew what I was supposed to be doing I was learning great lessons and all that was good um but I think what I struggle with after taking dad's classes is I still struggle to, trying to feel free enough to be silly and free mm -hmm. enough to just kind of be, just be a person up there instead of uh, trying yes. to, to follow a rule. Mm, oh yeah. Oh, that, that actually brings something up that um, Cole Wadsworth, an excellent improviser here in Atlanta, um, told me one time in um, a coaching it was a workshop I think he was giving <laughs> and I, it was a physicality workshop and we're going through some really difficult exercises it was one of the hardest workshop improv workshops I've ever done it like brought to surface a lot of things um, physicality wise um, I needed to to work on and he I, we were doing this one prob exercise with oh. a lot of physicality stuff and he stopped the scene, he stopped the, <laughs> he stopped the scene, and he came up to me in front of the class, he's like, Joel, he's like, I loved your improv. When I first saw you performing, before you, had, before you had any classes, I loved it. You were taking bold choices, you were being silly, you were doing wild things. And since you've taken classes, I can see you playing within the rules. Oh. He's like, 
and he and he told me he put his hands together like he's like he's like do me just for now just throw the rules out the window <laughs> and he's like just do something crazy do something crazy yeah <laughs> and so so what you said about the rules it brought that memory back to me and i think it's important to know that the rules are there the the rules are there to keep structure yeah but sometimes it's okay to do your own thing the rules yeah. are like someone can come I, I mean i've seen people in, in in two bears mom and dad i think that those are great examples of teams that can go off the rails with a with a huge bold gift and but they use the rules to bring it back on the rails it's like they then they guide it back so i think it's a it's a balance it's an ebb and flow of both yeah totally like it's always good to follow the directions but sometimes you want to do a little bit of off-roading mm -hmm. and sometimes there's some <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you find cool stuff yeah, on on the, the off-road just hit the, hit the hills and the go mudding <laughs> in the improv scene get dirty get dirty out there get wild Have fun. oh my gosh yeah, exactly. It's like you don't need to follow the rules verbatim. Yeah. But they're there for you if you need them. Yeah, they're, I think that's the best way to put it. They're there for you when you need them. Yeah. What's something you're currently working on? Something I'm currently working on. Hmm. Let's see, there's a lot, so I'm trying to think of one that's valuable to share. And I'm sure you can edit out the silences. I got you, in. yes. <laughs> <laughs> or I can leave them in, whatever. <laughs> this is your episode. <laughs> Man, what am I working on right now? I think I'm working on um, patience. I think I'm working on being patient with myself. Um, yeah, that's what's coming up. There's a few things I'm thinking about, but f for whatever reason, I think patience is heavy on my mind right now because, um, kind of touching back on something we mentioned earlier, sometimes I want to like fast forward and, you know, be this amazing improviser, um, that always knows what's needed in the scene, what kind of character is needed, how to do the perfect button every time for a scene, the physicality, you know, the perfect miming, everything, the perfect song, rhyming and musical improv. And it's just that uh, doesn't happen that way. So sometimes I get frustrated with myself. And I'm like, damn, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't rhyme in that line or that song. I couldn't find a good chorus or... Um, well, I couldn't, I couldn't find a good button for that scene. And I think, I mean, even two years in, sometimes I still beat myself up over some little things. And I think um, I want to be better. I'm working on getting better at just reminding myself to just be patient that I'm still learning and growing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you handle shows that in your eyes were maybe bad? Mm. Or maybe you you weren't happy with your performance or the performance of the whole show. How do you handle that experience? Yeah, I think having 
a close group of colleagues to that you trust with um, to give you feedback to give you feedback and also support um, and because uh, I think especially on a team I think it's really valuable and important to give each other feedback and to be open to feedback both giving it and receiving it I think there needs to be a healthy relationship with that because I think that's where real growth, trust, and chemistry comes from. It's, it's being able to perform in a scene with someone and, and being able to share afterwards like, hey, I didn't feel supported in that scene because of X, Y, Z. Like whether it's rehearsal or a show, I guess either one. Yeah. Uh, if it didn't it'd go well. Really, hey, I didn't feel supported because of X, Y, Z. Um, and being able to communicate that takes a lot of trust and vulnerability. And it also takes um, uh, it's vulnerability to accept that too, to accept that feedback like, oh, I didn't support my teammate. So, yeah, just, so after, after a bad show, I think it's important to give feedback to each other. Um, I, don't, I think it's less important in jams. I think it's more important on teams. Yeah. Um, I have given feedback after <laughs> jams. If something was like so, so terrible, <laughs> to be like, hey, yeah. hey, what's up? Um, what, what, have you taken a class? What's uh were you like how long have you been doing improv? Yeah, they got great classes. Madeline's class is great. And then I'll recommend Madeline's class. <laughs> but yeah, a feedback. Yeah. Feedback's important. Were you always com- comfortable hearing feedback? Or do you think it took you some time Mm-mm. before you were secure enough to actually no way. hear yeah. that? I think it take takes I don't think it's easy for anybody to hear feedback. I think it gets easier the more secure you are with yourself. Um, I think I'm very um, fortunate to have access to healthcare and therapy that helps. Yeah. Um, helps with like, having the bandwidth for that and, and practicing the skills of communication. And um, yeah, so I think it, it, that's also another muscle to work on is being able to take criticism and feedback, especially from people close to you from people close to you, I think, from teammates, from friends. Um, I think it's a valuable skill to practice and to have, is to be open and to listen to feedback. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of circling back to what we were, you know, talking about the importance of being on a team, that's definitely been one of the best parts is actually getting good quality feedback from people who watch you often. And something that we do on one of my teams is we'll go around the circle and we'll just do this occasionally because, you know, sometimes bonding and time together is just as important as practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll sit in a circle and we'll go around and we'll talk about what each person's role is and what they bring to the team. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how experienced you are, you're going to bring something to the team. So it's good to remind each other that you, of course, have value. Sometimes you need to hear that out loud, though. Yeah, 100%. But then we also tell each other things. If we're open to it, you know, you can opt out of the feedback or the cr- critical feedback. 
Um, but we also tell each other things that we think would make that role even more mm. uh, pervasive or important on the team is like things that, you know, as someone who loves you, this is something that you do and you may not know that you do it, but you would be a lot better if you stopped or, mm. you know, you're doing great, but making these small changes would make you even better, you know, feedback like that, that even though it hurts a little bit, it's super important to, at least for me to hear it in a group and to just kind of sit with it and internalize it. And you know that everybody else is also going to get that feedback. So it's not like mm -hmm. they're just picking on you. Um, and so being able to sit with it and hear it in front of a group of people and, and just like hearing your insecurities out loud sometimes, is mm. really helpful and kind of just accepting them and being less embarrassed about it. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I would also say that giving feedback, wording it properly is another skill. Yeah. Um, because there's definitely a way to give feedback that's incorrect. Yeah. Um, there's ways to give feedback that is more helpful, more compassionate, that is easier to receive for your teammate. Like for example, if, I, if I'm trying to communicate to a teammate that I love and care about, that they're doing something that's bothering me, um, I'm going to word it in a way that's compassionate to let them know that um, I still love my teammate and that, um, but I want them to work on this thing. And I, the, the wording's different. I guess yeah. I think yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, the, it's a skill to word it in a way that's comes off um, better than just giving regular feedback and criticism yeah and you do not have to listen to everything people say yeah. either you know especially if you you do d disagree or maybe they said it wrong mm -hmm. maybe like what they're saying is true but they could have said it in a better way that's also good to yeah. acknowledge yeah. and I this is just something that I've been thinking about over the past year is like how other people make me feel says almost nothing about me. And so understanding that the way they make me feel is telling me a lot about them and their communication style and how they're, and how they're behaving around me. And so taking that into consideration as well, like it may hurt my, my feelings a little bit um, if somebody says something harshly and just understanding that like, you know, that may come from a, a place that's specific to them that maybe doesn't mean a, yeah, a ton. Absolutely. And I think that's where a level of awareness is needed too, right? Because you're right. Sometimes the feedback, how, how, how can we be honest with ourselves too? It's like, I'm hearing feedback from a person and how can we process it and be like, okay, is this is this feedback worth taking in? Is yeah. this real or is this person projecting? Maybe projecting. A bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind something as well. To keep in mind. Yeah. But that's kind of why I like to hear all the feedback and then you can kind of sift through mm -hmm. what makes the most sense for you at the time. And maybe sometimes you're just not ready to learn lessons quite yet oh, either. Yeah. Everyone's on a journey. Everyone's on a journey. So some lessons come at certain particular places in that journey. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Have you ever received a compliment from a mentor or someone that you look up to in the community that's really stuck with you? <sighs> wow. 
sifting through. There, there's a lot of people I look up to. Um, there's a lot of people I consider mentors in the community. That's a tough. That's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. I think. I think it's back when. Uh, my first class with Madeline, we had a great class, a great class. I mean, it's very fun. And I think it was the, after the grad show, we were all hanging, hugging, talking. And I think that was one of the, I had gotten some compliments before about like, hey, you're great to play with, you're fun to play with, uh, love playing with you, very supportive. And sometimes people give you compliments after a scene or a show, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. You're like, I, I don't know how to really gauge if that's accurate or not, or if they're just being nice. Yeah. Especially early on in your prof career, it kind of feels like everyone's just saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, hey, good show. They always, you were so funny. Um, but then it wasn't until Madeline, too, after that first class, was just like, hey, love watching you play. Love how you support your teammates. Uh, really excited to see you grow and keep playing and it was something so simple but also that was one of the first times that I heard that from a mentor mm. that really that really hit about supporting my teammates and maybe that's why I really lean into supporting my teammates maybe because of that compliment <laughs> from Madeline way back when and I just I just yeah I just love love doing that and that's that's a that's a compliment from from Madeline that I think I'll always hold dear, near and dear. Yeah. Yeah, everything she says, mm. I'm usually like, I want to remember that. Yeah. Mm. And she, it's She's just... like a little Yoda. She's like a little improv Yoda. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the cherry on top that she's also a fucking amazing person. <laughs> the best little Yoda. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah... Uh, oh, something that I wanted to know about you specifically too, mm -hmm. in terms of compliments is like, I've noticed that you do point things out even when that person may already have received that compliment before, or maybe something that they know that they're doing well, or maybe it's something they've never heard before. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you do go out of your way to give people compliments because sometimes they really need to hear them. And yeah. Even if they don't react that way in the moment, it might really sit with them for a while. And it might be a simple observation that you made that could really impact them as a person or their journey in improv. And I remember I saw you at Dad's Garage a while ago and I was just volunteering for one of their show nights. And I saw you come in and you we just briefly said hi and you said something along the lines of, like look at you you're doing a you're doing a thing or you're here doing it and you even you even made a funny comment you're like you're even wearing flannel and ripped jeans like that's like the improv uniform you know and I was like you know that was so nice to be noticed because you're always constantly working towards a goal and so sometimes you forget to stop and think like mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm a lot farther than I was I may not be exactly where I want to be but exactly. I'm at a good place exactly and I think you're right in, in a place that thank you for saying that 
and the, for that memory, I do remember that that, <laughs> that day. Um, I think it's important to to reach out and speak to each other and validate and and give that validation sometimes because, like you said, sometimes people really need that because you know because everyone's I feel like so many people are constantly beating themselves up about their performances and feeling insecure about how how good they are in improv and. Man, I, I wish so many people would just realize that it, it takes so much courage just to get up there is already such a huge accomplishment just to sign up to get out there in front of a, a group of, of people strangers and try something new be so vulnerable and try to make up stuff on the spot that takes so much courage and strength and vulnerability that whether the performance goes good or not, you've already kicked so much ass just doing that. Mm-hmm. How much, how many skills you're working on just being up there, listening, being present, physicality, creativity, like so much stuff you're working on just getting up there. And um, so sometimes I think it's important, you're right, to just kind of remind people, remind our colleagues, remind our friends, like, hey, you're doing great, you killed it keep it up I see you yeah exactly you feel seen and appreciated and sometimes people are really hard on themselves Mm -hmm. I know I'm really hard on myself too and I get so caught up in what I'm doing and what I want and in comparing myself you know in a healthy way to my peers that it's nice to, to just take a step back and acknowledge that like what you're doing is great and even if you've had a bad show recently or even if you're not as skilled as you think you should be it's still good to acknowledge that you're you're doing something important and it's it's good for you even in the bad times and it's just yeah it's just great to give people compliments and i need to i need to do that even more yeah sometimes what's obvious to you is not obvious to them Mm -hmm. 100% can i ask you a question can that can we do that (laughs) sure it's your episode (laughs) um how this is season two, right? Season yeah. Two. <laughs> and from my understanding, you've been recording all day. You've been mm-hmm. here. How do you have the energy to go back to back to back with the with such so many conversations about improv? Good question. I think because I see a lot of value in it, in hearing other people's perspectives. Even sometimes if I ask people similar questions, their lens is going to be so different that, you know, there's never a bad answer. I'm always hearing Mm. new information and learning new things. And like, albeit maybe a little bit tiring sometimes in that, you know, I'm not an editor by trade. I'm not uh, a podcast aficionado. I do feel privileged and that I have enough people that I know that mm-hmm. are interested in, in taking part. And if, you know, people wanting to do it really is the most exciting part for me. And so if, if people are willing to do it, I'm like, then let's, let's do it. And so days like today are so fun when I, I get to do a few back to back and really see just, you know, how unique everybody is yeah. and how different their perspectives are all right now, all at the same time happening in the same community. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing that I, I can really sense and feel like that your, your, your heart's in this and that you love doing this. I can feel that from you, sitting across from you. 
Thanks. It's done a lot for me. Yeah. It has. And I, I was reflecting on that the other day because Brett is working on his film this summer yeah. and he was obviously asking for donations. And I was like, hell yeah, I couldn't give you enough money, to be honest. <laughs> like the amount that Brett mm. and the community has given to me is just so priceless. And so it's, it was nice to reflect on that and just, you know, think about how much other people have done for me. And then it makes me even more eager to record the podcast and hopefully give back a little bit to the community that's given me so much. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think this podcast has, has been great. I love listening to the episodes and learning more about some of the people in the community and the Atlanta improv community has been so fun and so enlightening. And I, and I, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope that people listen and maybe learn something about someone that, you know, they wouldn't have expected. And maybe there are a lot of friendships to be had and people who are a lot more compatible than they may think. And they can relate to each other and, mm. and maybe they'll be friends um, because I love to match make friends. That's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you, have you ever gotten to like a, a debacle? Like have you ever gotten to have you ever tried matchmaking people and they're like, oh, no, that guy, that person sucked. Well, no, I've never had that happen, but new fear unlocked. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I, I really sit on it for a minute and I'll like, if I think two people would really get along mm -hmm. and I mean matchmaking like a platonic way, right. mm -hmm. I, I, I try to <laughs> test out some new groups sometimes. Like, you know, if there are two people that I normally hang out with, maybe invite a third, pe a third person that I think they would really jive with. Mm. And if you hang out and it's really fun, then hopefully you do it again. Um, or like hopefully at least the people you introduced end up becoming friends or providing comfort to each other in some way. And I remember my friend Asher, who I met at, mm -hmm. in dad's garage classes. I think I brought her to the jam for the first time, I wanna say, or maybe, yeah. I, I think I told her about Bibliotech maybe because a lot of people surprisingly don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And she came and I introduced her to everybody that I talked to and, you know, it can be a little overwhelming. It's a lot of people in a little place. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the time I remember thinking like, oh, I hope I didn't overwhelm her or uh, make her do something that she didn't feel comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. um, but then afterwards she texted me and she was like, thank you so much for introducing me to people. That was, it really made me feel appreciated and wanted. And now I see her going on to make so many friends oh, in the community. Yeah. yeah, Asher's excellent. She's awesome. Yeah, and to see her hanging out with my friends without me, I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I would have come to. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you're like, what, is this, what is this betrayal? What's going on here? <laughs> but I'm also like, how cool is that? You know, she's yeah. found a community that all she yes. needed was a bridge to or like yeah. a segue to. So I'm really happy to be that for other people because I've had people do that for me too. And it's been great. You hear that everybody? If you're looking to have a, a personal friend finder, hit up Riley, send her, send her your profile and she'll match you up with you a friend. With friends. <laughs> I actually had a friend recently who told me that she went to a real matchmaker for Ooh, like romantic relationships. Okay. Like she hired a matchmaker to go and try to find people that were compatible for her to, to match. How, how'd that go? Did she tell you? It went poorly <laughs> or like not, it, it didn't go awry. She just didn't end up finding anyone through that matchmaker. It's expensive too. Yeah. I, 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 I got some quotes back in the day. 
got some quotes. And <laughs> really now? Yeah, it was a big process. Um, yeah, did not, did not do that. Yeah. Well, you know, things aren't going well for me in that department either. So, but love is out there, everybody. Love's out there. <laughs> it may seem bleak sometimes, but love is all around us. Love is in our friendships. It's a, it's an improv. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Retweet. Retweet. Yeah. I remember Kim can attest to this mm. um, because I tell her everything. And I was seeing this guy when I first moved to Atlanta and mm-hmm. he was one of the first people that I met, which, you know, looking back, obviously that was um, like going to end badly. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you knew that? I think or maybe you, I'm a you pessimist. You felt something? Well... He, so I moved here. He was the first person that I met Got it. and it was on a date. So I had zero friends in Atlanta. And sometimes I'm a little bit pessimistic with romantic relationships because for me, it's very black and white. Either it works out or you never see the person again. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with friends, you know, you're building to something. You're, you're watering a flower in a sense that your relationship is you know, hopefully going to grow over time and evolve and you'll have each other through yeah. a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Um, whereas romantic relationships, usually if it doesn't work out, you know, are you going to be great friends after that? Mm. It's a little bit difficult. Um, so I try to invest in my friends more and I learned that lesson because I ended up going out with this guy for probably like six, seven months of time. And once things ended, I realized I had no community. And mm. turns out when you make friends with your boyfriend um, and they're his friends, uh. at the end of the day, you know, like he gets the friends and the divorce. Yeah. And so I felt like I had no community. I had no friends. I had no support whatsoever. And so that was my goal was to find a community that, you know, I thought was valuable and that accepted me. And something that, you know, was always going to be there for Mm -hmm. me and and wasn't something that was fleeting. Like, I really wanted a good, solid group of friends. And so now, you know, a year and a half later, I have a lot of friends and no boyfriend. And I think that's exactly what I wanted. Like, (sighs) this is... Beautiful. That's amazing. And I think this is still improv related. So you're talking about community. Uh Uh-huh. Right? And talking about love and and relationships. Um... So there's actually uh, there's actually so, so much research on how finding community and friendships is actually what in, provides the most fulfillment in life and actually increases um, your li- like the longevity of your life. Um, so like uh, if anybody wants links, feel free to DM me. <laughs> Instagram. I, I always love talking about this research study. There's a TED talk on it. And uh, I think Time just did a like a a, a post on it a, f- a few months ago that I was resharing again to a few friends. But friendships are where it's at. Like people, like people that have community, people that have good friends, they're, it's so important. It's so important. And I feel with this improv community, it's, it's given me that too. It's like there's no... Once, once there's friendships and a community, you know, any romantic relationship is just gonna add value. Yeah. To to life, it's you know, I think um, I think a lot of people approach love and uh, romantic relationships where they're very reliant on that relationship to complete them or like to give them 
happiness or to give them fulfillment. And I think that's not um, the ideal way to enter a relationship or I think being set with yourself and community and friends, having a good foundation of that stuff, um, I think is, is the key. And that's another, that's another pitch to, to do improv for you all. <laughs> that's the, that's the baseline. That's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. The community is top notch and I can't speak to every community everywhere because I do think improv is very diverse depending on where you do it. Oh yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think I've said this before where like, I don't, sometimes I don't know if I enjoy doing improv as much as I enjoy doing improv here. Ooh, oh my God. I can't, that's a great question because I don't know that either. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't done improv anywhere else. <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? But you know, if you move to a community that was maybe less vibrant and, and you know, well, let's say warm and welcoming, would improv be as fun? Ooh. Now, now what we got to do is we got to travel to all the improv hotspots. We got to go to New York, LA, exactly. Chicago. We got to do improv everywhere so we know, so we know the truth. Clear your schedule. We got some traveling <laughs> to do. Some traveling to do. We got to do improv all over, all across the states in the world. <laughs> the world. I've always wanted to go to. The, I forget the name of the theater, but it's in Amsterdam, and a lot of comedians, successful comedians not that being successful is everything um <laughs> but they've talked about how great that experience was to go do improv in another culture in another country and mm. and just see you know how things are different but yet how similar they are at the same time Ooh, that sounds so fascinating because i'm wondering culturally like some jokes would hit here culturally that may not hit obviously in other countries so i'm wondering how some of that translates like what we find funny here would they find funny somewhere else? Yeah. It might highlight your, your crutches. Yeah. That's a Which good one. Which I good always challenge. like to, yeah. All right. So Amsterdam trip also. <laughs> All right. Hear that everybody. Like, go to Amsterdam. Test your skills there too. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would be interested in talking about? Hmm. Let's see. Well, let's let's have this conversation and you can add it in or, or not. Okay. Uh, let me know how you feel. I'd love to talk to you about it anyway. Yeah. Um, is around women feeling supported in the community and feeling safe and supported in the community. I'm wondering how what role we all play in that um what men could be doing better at improv uh, or in comedy scenes i think um i think it's just very male dominated constantly like everywhere um comedy in general uh and i'm not too trying to word this delicately i haven't heard positive things from some close friends of mine in the community uh, multiple stories and I'm just wondering like what 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 can we do what can we do to help build a safer environment in comedy not just improv here but like what can we do I don't know if that's a topic you want to chat yeah. about no thank you for asking I was talking about this recently because I had a poor experience actually 
in one of my classes mm. and I started noticing it as a trend after it happened to me where I think a lot of women in the community that I know struggle to take their space and mm -hmm. to find their voice maybe more often than their male counterparts and were often labeled for us or, or you know someone someone else is labeling us often where like you come into a scene and you're immediately a mom yeah or a wife yeah or some sort of generic female character mm -hmm. which doesn't always have to be the case you know i could play a guy just as much as i could play a girl mm -hmm. um so i do notice that 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 happens a lot and so i think maybe just understanding that you're playing make-believe people so it doesn't really matter gender mm -hmm. they are mm -hmm. um anybody can play them but also i think steamrolling has been an issue yeah and of course women do it as well i'm sure but from what i've seen it's been a lot of men doing it to women and i think that kind of goes to the whole you know we're trying to find our voice and take up yeah, space 100 percent. yeah so yeah i guess i'm i guess what i'd love to ask you is like because I believe I believe it should be men holding other men accountable because I 100% believe that if a woman goes up to a man and was like hey you didn't make me feel seen I felt steamrolled that the majority of the time that man is going to disregard that comment mm -hmm. is what I really? believe I think so that's eye opening huh I've never known a woman in the community to feel comfortable enough to do that to right well i guess that's another issue yeah it's comfortable enough to even express that um but even if they uh even if they did i don't know how it's just statistically i guess i don't think it would be well received i don't think it nothing would happen nothing would come from it yeah um i think i think men normally from like a like with the the patriarchy like with the how that's so instilled in our society i think men respond more to corrections from other men hmm. so if if i see something in a scene that i think is unhealthy or toxic or someone's steamrolling um, man, I've had so many urges to just to have a conversation with that person, but I don't know if that's my role. I don't know if that's, I don't know what to do there. Like, so I've been struggling with trying to f understand what, what's the right thing to do. Yeah. To go up to this, some, somebody who I don't know most of the time or don't know well and be like, Hey, what you did in that scene was fucked up. Okay. Yeah. Can we curse on this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. And I appreciate you bringing that up because I have mentioned it before to some male counterparts or like I've even said it in scenes, which I know it's really not probably the smartest move to sacrifice the scene in order to make a point in the moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like often it comes off as whiny and mm -hmm. bitchy 
When in reality, it's like, I just don't want you to talk over me when I'm talking. And I don't think that's a lot to ask for. Yeah. I just want to have the same space and time that you do on here. Yeah. I want to play too. Exactly. And I, I don't feel like my gender comes into play mm -hmm. in my life super often. But another point I want to make too about it in the in this community in, in particular, obviously not naming any names, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of men who when they're emboldened via getting laughs or having success and having jokes, it sometimes brings out their, uh, I don't know what the right word to use, is like primal, animalistic male tendencies. Um, it, they become exaggerated in those moments. Yeah. And when they feel emboldened, it, it's kind of like they, they feel like they're untouchable mm -hmm. by a lot of people, but especially by women. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see that happen um, because I would wish that we could be teammates and um, that that would be, you know, understood more in that like we, we're not as boisterous sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we're not confident, strong performers. Yeah. Maybe we're just not as, you know, loud and big as you, <laughs> but we want to take up the same amount of space. But we can't do that if you're constantly intruding on that space. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting to hear that that men would be less receptive when it's coming from a woman. So, I yeah, think just be more dismissive. I yeah. think it's just like like the words you used before, whiny or, or bitchy. I think uh, I think I think most men would dismiss that and think that what. You... Yeah, that's tough because I also don't want to come off like that either. Because yeah, I don't know. But the way that I handled it the other day was I was in a class, so I let the instructor know during the class mm -hmm. um, because I felt like it kind of painted me in a bad light because what happened was we were doing a scene uh, with two people on stage, but side support is always welcome and encouraged. But there was uh, a male student who jumped into our scene. It was another girl and me. And he stood right in front of me between me and the audience, um, which is already a little bit mm, rude. And literally then, blocking you, literally hiding you. Yeah. Mm. And we'd already created a reality at this point. So he jumps into the scene, doesn't really acknowledge the reality that's been set and talks over both of us like at, at any opportunity really, or like cutting off like our last word in our sentences. And so I kind of dismissed him in the scene literally um, I was like, you can go sit over there now. Or like, you know, I like mm -hmm. put, literally almost pushed him aside because I was so annoyed that it was happening. Cause like, that's my class too. And that's my opportunity to learn and you're taking it from me. Um, so I like, literally dismissed him. And then, um, I had another male student after that scene was over, come up to me and he was like, I didn't really like the way that you dismissed him. I didn't, I didn't think it was very respectful and I was like, all I was trying to do mm. was stand up for myself. And wow. the way that I react to that is not up for debate from you. Yeah. Um, and I, and I just, I didn't feel like myself cause I was like, that's not something that I normally do. I'm, I try to be right. as supportive as possible. Right. And so I, I felt like it put me in a bad position, but it's just like, you know, I'm just looking for the same opportunity as you. And I don't think you would have done that to a male student. And I'm pretty confident about that. Yep. So. Like whether he was aware he did it or not, it was very obvious to me. So like, you know, I don't want to have to spend my time babysitting 
in a scene when I should be focusing on yeah. what's happening and like what I'm doing. So it's just, it feels like a burden. Yeah. It, it is a burden that women deal with 100% in profit. And, it, and it's, I see it all the time. I see it too often. I see it too often. And, um, I've seen in, in your example too, I see, I've seen where women try to do something in the scene to accommodate, um, and almost it feels like a survival tactic. Like they had, they feel forced to have to handle it in the scene as a character to get their visibility back. Um, yeah. And it's just so disheartening to see sometimes. Um, and I guess if this resonates with anybody out there, um, yeah, let's message and talk about it. Let's brainstorm. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is to do, especially yeah. at a jam. There's just a bunch of strangers getting together. I don't know if that's, Yeah. I don't know, you know, and, uh, I know Brett builds such a, uh, an environment of, of creativity and, and free flowing creative energy. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do. I just wanted yeah. to bring that out. But yeah, know. thanks for starting the dialogue because it's something that we just, at least for me, I don't bring it up that often unless it's like blatantly obvious. Mm -hmm. And yeah, at a jam, it's a little bit different. I think maybe the steamrolling happens to both sides a lot of times because it is so fast paced and like chaotic. But yeah, in a class environment where it's meant to be controlled, yeah, that's when it really gets to me because like, you know, what's the point of having all these other rules? Yes. If we're, you know, we're going to pick and choose which ones mm -hmm. are important to uphold. Ooh, yes. But thank you for asking that question. It's interesting. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you one more thing. If, if I saw, if I saw at a jam that, um, an interaction with you and a male in a scene was uncomfortable or was unhealthy or whatever, how would you feel if I spoke to that person afterwards? I would appreciate it. Yeah. Would you want me to talk to you first? Be like, hey, I'm thinking about talking to this person. Do you think that's that's the right route to go? Is to check in with you first before I go talk to that person? Well, I think coming from you, I'm like, I trust your judgment. So I like for me personally, if you think you saw something, I, I would feel comfortable with you just telling them. And, you know, they could disagree with you. Or maybe, mm -hmm. you know, the female, if it was a female in this case, I was like steamrolled on or something. You know, maybe they don't see it the same way. But I think if you, if you right. saw... Right, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. Because maybe I, the only reason I would say uh, that I would imagine a girl would feel uncomfortable with you doing that is if uh, they don't want it to come off as if they're they're the, they're causing problems or they're complaining right because you know then maybe that guy won't want to work with them again or something like that but you know if it's clear that something's going on i think totally addressing it and maybe the the girl didn't even realize it was happening to her so it might also be important to like let her know like hey you know next time this, this happens to you say something or you know maybe give them tools on how to get past that situation yeah this is definitely something that I've been thinking about recently and I'm not sure how to navigate it or how to go about fi helping fix it or improving it. I don't, I'm not sure. So, um, yeah, maybe we could talk about it more in depth Yeah. or another podcast episode <laughs> specific to 
women's safety in comedy. Well, thanks for joining the podcast, Joel. It's been great having you.